Welcome to All Are Welcome, an Evergreen Christian Church podcast. Today, we have a sermon for you. Please join us in listening. Greetings. I'm Reverend Melanie Harold Delaney, co-director of the Bethany Fellowships, a community of almost 200 young pastors and alumni serving across the country. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Gospel of Mark begins with a single voice, steady and true. An ember of hope glowing in the midst of harsh winds, willing and waiting for the right moment to catch and to spark into a steady flame. A starlight path for seekers, a campfire by which to keep warm, a candle accompanying prayer. This ember of hope burns with the fire of John the Baptist's heart, his voice a solitary but consistent assurance that hope is on her way. Prepare the way for the Lord. After me will come one more powerful than I one who will bring light and power of the Holy Spirit. Mark begins the gospel with prophecy and proclamation, not stories of stables and shepherds, angels singing in glory. Mark skips the birth story altogether and goes straight to the moment where Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River. After being baptized and named and claimed by God, after a temptation in the wilderness and personal realization of pow his power and calling in ministry. After a growing community of disciples, fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. After all of that, we quickly see Jesus growing into the person and presence God is calling him to be. The person John the Baptist prophesied. And this is where our story begins. One Sabbath day, Jesus enters the synagogue in the city of Capernaum. There, in the holiest of holy places, Jesus joins the scholars and the scribes in the center of the room and begins explaining the Torah to the people, interpreting holy scriptures with a compelling, authentic, life-changing message. His words are beautiful and inspiring, they are relevant and clear. Even the scholars and scribes are astounded and speechless as they listen, enraptured. 
a few hours later, Jesus is just beginning to hit his stride. His energy is flowing, and he and the disciples begin to see the Spirit unfolding in his calling. I imagine Jesus feels like his heart could almost burst with the love he has for these moments of teaching and healing and changing lives. It's like he's in the zone. You know, when time seems to stand still and you're captivated by what you're experiencing. One of those deeply holy moments when you're stunned in silent awe and amazement at the power of God in your midst. All else fades in importance as you are held by the holy of the moment. In the new movie, Soul, the Pixar Disney animated movie, they call this moment finding your spark. It's the thing that makes you almost go to another place in your mind and your heart and you're in the zone. Jesus was in his zone. He was teaching in a way that made sense and was relevant to the people. They were amazed and captivated as the voice of God and inspiration of the Holy Spirit flowed from his body into the room where they all listened. And all of a sudden, they are startled by the intrusion of sharp accusatory voices. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? The moment is interrupted as attention turns from Jesus to the harsh anger of this new presence in the room, the one pointing at Jesus and yelling, have you come to destroy us? These words are spoken by demons, but in Mark's narrative, they represent the scribe's opinion. The demonic voice represents the perspective of the person's currently holding power when they feel that their power is threatened. Perhaps in Mark's view, it was the scribes having these thoughts in the back of their head. Has he come to replace us? In Mark's view, the scribes teaching is, quote, demonic because it, it has not liberated the people. It, it oppresses and it enslaves people. Jesus's message does the opposite, full of liberation and freedom and life-giving word and truth. So in this moment, as Jesus realizes his own spark and is on the verge of freeing and healing the nations. These demonic powers and principalities speak and lash out in a last ditch effort to hold on to power through fear and violence. With all eyes on Jesus, Jesus who has earned the authority to teach and to lead, Jesus speaks directly to the intruder, the intruding voice, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit leaves the man, throwing him into convulsions. And he cries out with a loud voice, come out. And all the people are amazed. And they look to one another and they ask one another, what is this? This is a new teaching, one who speaks with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Jesus's ability to force the demons into silence and out of the position of power, his ability to free the man who had at one time been controlled by these unclean spirits. This is the first miracle recorded in the Gospel of Mark. Instead of being thwarted by powers and principalities, Jesus's spark takes hold. 
and becomes an even stronger flame in this moment. The time has been fulfilled and the domain of God has come near. That means that God's enemies are beginning to be defeated and those demons are losing power. The demons I'm talking about here are those who possess us as a community, as a nation, and as members of the human race. I'm not talking about mental illness. Those are, those are relics of the past. That's not what we're talking about here. Powers and principalities, the demons that I'm speaking of here are what my mentor calls powers and principalities. They are forces that feed and breed on doubt and destruction and fear. These are powers and systems that would have us believe that they have, we have no control over them. Powers and systems that make us feel helpless. Powers and principalities, they whisper in our ear that all is lost and they are intent on destroying us and we need to cast them out. But how? Jesus lays a model for us in this scripture of what to do when we are overwhelmed by all that is happening in our world and in our lives. The first thing we can do when powers and principalities threaten to overwhelm is to name them. There is power in naming. Jesus silences the demonic voices because he does not want them to name him. In that culture, the one doing the naming had more power than one being named. Think of Adam in the Garden of Eden, naming each animal and life. Jesus removes the demon's power by silencing them, and then he names them. So when you face powers and principalities, name them. Acknowledge what you are seeing, what you are feeling. Perhaps unbelief, losing faith in God, in life as a sacred force and our fellow human beings. Unbelief is that feeling that nothing can be done to solve our problems. Or perhaps for you springing from that unbelief come others in fearful company, racism, sexism, classism, religious and ideological intolerance, militarism, extreme individualism. Sometimes the powers and principalities can feel more inward and individual, self-doubt, depression, anxiety. Whenever you see them, these powers and principalities at work in our world, name them to yourself. In a journal, in your head, in your heart, or call a trusted friend or mentor and name what you are seeing to them. Name them. And the second thing we can do is to turn to Jesus in prayer and in silence. All of Jesus's healing miracles happen alongside moments of prayer. From the mountaintop transfiguration in Mark chapter 9, Jesus immediately then goes down to cast out demons and to heal a small boy. Following more miracles and other stories, Jesus retreats to a boat or to a garden or a desert to pray in solitude. On January 6th of this year, the day we watched in horror as men and women carrying guns took siege of the Capitol building, I was sharing a Zoom call with a number of Bethany Fellows pastors. As a few of us watched and relayed the news as, and images unfolding, we were stunned in disbelief. 
We had so few words for what we were witnessing, powers and principalities shouting out and convulsing in our own nation's capital. But the Bethany Way teaches contemplative prayer, community, vulnerability, honesty, hope. So together on that call, in that moment, we prayed. We named what we were seeing and we held silent prayer together. And from that moment, we went out. We hadn't changed what was happening in the news, but we had changed knowing that we were not alone in this moment together. Holding prayer, silence, it's a particularly helpful way to pray in the face of powers and principalities. In the silence, God is present. In the silence, one can hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit's steadfast hope. In the silence, space is made for vulnerable honesty. In silence, we can discern what is needed next. Silence and prayer help move us from our initial lizard brain response to fear, our fight, flight, or freeze response, into a discerning next with God at our side. The third thing we can do is to trust in the authority, the power, and the presence of the holy. To trust in the way of Jesus Christ, his abiding gifts and mercies, the mercies of God, the ever-present guidance and challenge of the Holy Spirit. To trust that God is at work to bring healing, wholeness, well-being, and light into the world. This holy movement is more powerful than demons and power plays by political and power-hungry scribes and Pharisees of our time. It can be a source of endurance through pandemics and exhausting seasons of life and remind us of who we are and whose we are. The fourth thing we can do is seek community, to turn to the ones who support you and love you on the journey, your pastor, friends who care for your soul, a therapist or counselor, whoever you trust to name the truth with you in love through the unsettled places. Jesus had the disciples. He had community. We need it too. And the last thing that we can do is to return to the work you are called to do. Jesus calls us to use the gifts we are given, whether we are fishermen, artists, data analysts, handymen and women, visionaries, or follow-through types. Whatever our ability and passion, we are called out of our comfort boats into gospel ministries of healing, hospitality, justice, and love. Don't give powers and principalities more power in your head, your heart, or your being than they deserve. It was out of this kind of centered place that Jesus in the synagogue that day named the demons, the powers and principalities, draws on the power and presence of God and the strength of his circle of dear friends that he could drive out the demons. He takes away their power by refocusing on what he and his colleagues, his disciples can do. We can do that too with prayer, with centering, 
with an awareness of God's presence in our midst and with love. So let's practice that together. I invite you to find a comfortable place to sit. Perhaps close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. And bring to mind a place where you feel safe, a place you've been before, or a place of your own imagination. Imagine yourself in that safe place. Bring to mind an experience when you have seen powers and principalities at work in your own life, in the community, or world. Name them. In your mind, name them as powers and principalities. Name them as destructive to well-being of your body or soul, or the well-being of the community or world. Set these experiences, these voices, these fears before God. Set them down in front of you in your imagination and imagine God holding them, surrounding them. In this moment, pray with words if you have them or hold silence, a spaciousness of heart and mind. If distractions flow in, invite them to flow right back out. Hold the silence and space for as long as you can, 60 seconds or 20 minutes. After the silence, imagine God picking up the powers and principalities, calling them out with the voice and authority of Jesus Christ, casting them away or diminishing them until they are nothing. Practice trusting in God's power. Next, bring to mind someone you trust, a friend, a life companion, a mentor, a spiritual guide. Bring to mind all of the people you might call on to talk to and discern next right steps with. These are your people. Jesus called on his community of friends, the disciples. Don't be afraid to call on your community of support, too. And take stock once more of your body in the safe place, supported by the strength of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Imagine your mind, in your mind, the person or people who are your discernment partners, your colleagues and friends now in a circle all around you. And in the middle of your circle is a small ember glowing. If you pick up that ember, it will glow even brighter with a steadiness and power. Know that you can carry that with you, your spark. Stay with that image as long as you want to, you holding this ember, this spark. And when you are ready, Take a deep breath. Wiggle your toes and move your fingers. Breathe as you slowly open your eyes. 
the practice of praying with the spirit, of naming powers and principalities, remembering your community and the steadfast presence of God, this is a gift from God to you. So carry your ember of hope, glowing in the midst of harsh winds, willing and waiting for the right moment for it to catch and spark into a steady flame, a starlight path for seekers, a campfire by which to keep warm, a candle accompanying prayer, your own soul shining the light of God wherever you go. Amen.